0: Hello and welcome to the second podcast in our 2021-22 series on school improvement in Ohio. I'm Jim Gay, co-director of the OLAC Project. Today we'll be talking about how the first part of Ohio's leadership model for education, prioritizing teaching and learning, connects to the work on equity in education across the state. As we covered in our last episode with Michelle Moore, Ohio's leadership model helps educators link the Ohio improvement process with ways to achieve excellence and equity among our students. This means making sure that students have equal access to education, regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation, ethnicity, language, disability, family background, or income. Prioritizing teaching and learning, the part of the model we'll focus on today, helps educators keep end goals in mind by focusing work on ways to improve instruction and its results. This domain emphasizes theories of action and evidence-based practices to bring coherence to instruction and deliver improvement for all students. To help us understand how prioritizing teaching and learning helps deliver more equitable education, we'll speak to three guests. Julie Wyant from State Support Team Nine Reva Cosby, superintendent of Trotwood-Madison City Schools, and Mona Burtz-Beattie from State Support Team 13. Each of them will help us understand from their perspective and role how they define and work towards equity and how they prioritize teaching and learning. We'll then discuss some of the ways these efforts mutually support one another. Let's meet our guests for the episode. Julie, can you tell us about yourself?
1: My name's Julie Wyant. I am a consultant with state support team nine. I am in my seventh year in this position. My primary role as an SST nine consultant is in the area of school improvement. So I am the lead consultant for two of our more intensive support districts. And what that means is I provide support in the Ohio improvement process, uh, principal coaching and strategic planning. And then finally, I'm also a member of the Ohio UDL Collaborative. So I co-facilitate UDL professional development in our region.
0: And can you also tell us a bit about SST-9 and the people it serves?
1: At State Support Team 9, we support a very diverse group of districts and community schools. We serve districts and community schools in three counties located in Northeast Ohio. Holmes County, Stark County, and Wayne County. And we focus in a variety of buckets of work, so definitely school improvement. We also help support districts with PBIS initiatives, special education, early childhood, family and community partnerships, And so our role is to build the capacity of leaders within our districts and to help support any type of school
0: improvement efforts. Great. And now let's meet our next guest, Reva Cosby. Reva, can you introduce yourself?
2: Okay. My name is Dr. Reva Cosby. I'm the superintendent of Trotwood Madison City Schools. I am in my second year at Trotwood. I have been a superintendent for five years prior to this in Mount Healthy, which is very similar district.
0: Thanks, and can you tell us a bit more about the district?
2: My district is approximately 3,000 students, so we're mid-sized urban district. My district is low socioeconomics, as far as money is concerned. We are a district coming out of the possibility of being in academic distress. And so that's something that has been really high on our minds. We also are a district that is predominantly African-American. And like so many districts, even when you have predominantly African-American students, we still have a predominantly Caucasian staff.
0: Great. Let's meet our final guest, Mona Burtz-Beattie. Mona, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
3: Okay. My name is Mona Burst Beatty and I am an education consultant with SST-13. I'm also a school psychologist by training, and I've had the opportunity to work in an array of educational settings, ranging from early childhood to juvenile detention centers and separate educational settings. On my particular SST team, some of the areas of work include, of course, school improvement. I do a lot with special education and disproportionality. So SST-13, we are located in what's considered southwest part of Ohio, and we serve four counties, Butler County, Hamilton County, Claremont County, and Warren County. And we also support four wonderful ESCs in those four different counties. Our landscape is pretty interesting. We kind of see a little bit of everything down here. So we have urbans, Um, Our big urban is Cincinnati Public, and we have rural school districts, we have suburban school districts, and we even have very small school districts that look like rural and very small school districts that also look like urban.
0: Great. Now let's hear a bit about equity, why it's so important, how it's defined and understood, And what working to support it looks like in each of these settings. Let's start with how equity is understood and defined. Julie?
1: So I love this question. We have been
0: working on equity in our
1: region for several years and I feel like our definition of equity really continues to evolve. I'm not sure that you ever arrive at the perfect definition, but at the same time It has become increasingly clear what equity means within our organization and how we're going to operate with an equity-oriented lens in everything that we do. So SST9, we spent an entire year last year as a team really intentionally focusing on strengthening our adult professional culture. And part of this work included establishing a vision statement, core values, and non-negotiables. And so equity really rose to the top as one of the five core values at State Support Team 9. And then once we identified those core values, then we established our non-negotiables around those core values. And so our definition of equity is more in the language of a non-negotiable. So our non-negotiable around equity states that our team coaches and challenges through an equity-focused lens that create learning conditions that ensure each child and adult acquire the knowledge skills and sense of belonging needed to be successful. So that was kind of a lengthy definition to basically state that we meet every child and every adult where they're at
3: and give them what they need to be successful.
0: Mona, what does this look like in SST 13?
3: So how SST 13 defines equity, we follow along what our state plan incorporates into equity. So it's one of those three core principles along with partnerships and quality schools. When we look at our Ohio strategic plan, each child our future, I probably want to start first with talking about what equity isn't. So it shouldn't be mistaken for equality, even though we use those words interchangeably. And so the framework that we advance as a state, it looks at educational equity within a framework that doesn't look at students as all needing the same, getting the same materials, the same instruction and the same supports. What we look at when we're talking about equity is giving each child what he or she needs in order to be successful, to be more, to learn more, and it doesn't look at taking away from another student so that another student can advance, but it really is looking at what does each child need to be his or her best in our educational systems, and how do we provide those supports in those systems to make sure that each child is getting what he or she needs.
0: Reva, can you give us the perspective of what these conversations look like at the district level?
2: we define equity as making sure our students can rise to the level that they can of their accomplishments, of success, of getting what they want out of life. And that's regardless of whether that's one of our honor students, one of our special needs students, our students who are in the LGBTQ community. Whomever it is, equity means we get them prepared for the success that they're looking for in their lives.
0: Great. And now let's get a sense of what equity work looks like in these settings reva do you have an example for us
2: i have a really interesting story that deals with equity in my district when i got here and i was looking at our vision and our mission and those things that superintendents look at because i want to know what am i expected to do the first thing i saw was the vision of my board was that we would have 100 success for all students now you can imagine as a new superintendent that's pretty scary because As I was initially looking at it, I thought, oh, my goodness, how can I make that happen? That's where equity comes into play. Equity says, yes, you can have 100 percent success for all of your students, but it won't look the same. So we're really an interesting district. I said that we are an urban district, but we're also very rural. So, for example, we have a lot of farmers in our area. And so we're partnering with Central State, and we actually have a FFA, Future Farmers of America Club, and people might not expect that to be here, but I have students who have families that have went that route, and they are looking into sustainable food products and things like that. So equity does not mean that every student has to attend a four-year college and become a doctor or a lawyer, which is the old way of thinking when we think about success. So that's how we look at equity here is doing what is best for each individual child.
0: Thanks, that's really interesting. Let's look at equity work within the SSTs. Mona, can you share a few things?
3: So when we're thinking about equity, we're looking at this construct within an educational framework that's not about all students reaching the same level of accomplishments. It's not about a zero-sum game and that we improve outcomes for some students without diminishing outcomes for others. And it's not a one-off or standalone initiative. Mostly importantly, it's not something that we do. When we talk about equity, it is definitely something that we are working towards. And when we're talking about equity, we're looking at, what are our systems, what is the way in which students can access those existing systems to have full academic and social potential. So it's not just about looking at those academic structures, but those social structures so that each child has access to relevant and challenging academic experiences, educational resources necessary for success across race, gender, ethnicity, language, disability, family background, and even income. It seems like a simple task, but it's definitely not a simple task, especially when we look at the challenges of equity in our society as a whole, those challenges also exist within our school system, but we all believe that it is something that we can take on and that we can meet one step and one child at a time, making sure that all of them have what they need in order to be successful.
0: Thanks, this sounds like it resembles Riva's examples from the district level, Julie?
1: We recognize the importance of having these courageous conversations within our organization. And as Brene Brown says, kind of rumbling through it a little bit in a healthy way so that we can hold one another accountable to living out our equity core value. So we definitely embrace the state strategic plan that Ohio put out around equity in the simplest form. It's really about meeting individuals where they're at and giving them what they need to be successful.
0: Great. Now let's hear a bit about prioritizing teaching and learning, the first component of Ohio's leadership model and what working toward it looks like in these settings. Julie? Absolutely.
1: So at the State Support Team 9, we do prioritize teaching and learning in several ways as we support our districts and our community schools, but I'd like to share maybe three of those ways with you. The first way is by supporting districts as they create their strategic plan, otherwise known as their one plan. So we support our districts throughout this entire process, which includes really looking at their data, identifying their critical needs, conducting root cause analysis, and then choosing those evidence-based strategies. So at the end of the day, the one plan, when it's written correctly, should really consist of no more than two to three goals. Each goal should have those three to five focus strategies. And the strategies, especially for the academic goal, should focus on the improvement of teaching and learning. So the first way that we prioritize in our organization, teaching and learning is to ensure that our districts and our buildings have created a focus plan that really includes the evidence-based strategies that will change adult practices in the classroom that eventually lead to the increased student learning and desired outcomes. And then the second way we prioritize teaching and learning is through leadership coaching, building the capacity of leaders Within our region, uh, especially as instructional leaders or instructional coaches, it will continue to be a focus for us. Uh, The research is very clear. School leaders have a direct impact on student outcomes. So we work with leaders of all levels to really build that capacity. And one example would be our direct coaching that we do with building principals with a focus on how to coach teaching and learning. We really help them identify ways that they can engage in those instructionally focused interactions with teachers. And one of the obvious ways for leaders to coach teaching and learning is through the evaluation system or OTES 2.0 and really using that process to be a growth model or an opportunity um, for building principals to provide feedback and coaching that leads to the change in practice within the classrooms. So... The second way in our organization that we prioritize teaching and learning would be to build the capacity of our leaders within the region to become the lead learners within their buildings, and then to coach others by engaging in those discussions around teaching and learning. And then the third way we prioritize teaching and learning is to help districts really strengthen their adult professional culture. And to us, this includes ensuring that our districts have systems and structures in place to really allow for adult learning to occur. So we coach districts around establishing shared leadership teams, the district leadership team or the building leadership teams and or teacher-based teams. And then part of creating a structure for adult learning is to really ensure that regular time to meet and regular time to plan is embedded within that master schedule and then it's protected. So in addition to carving out that time, teams also need to have clear expectations of their rules and their purpose, right? And it really should all be centered around that adult learning. And then finally, that five-step process should be followed with a heavy focus on the adult learning part of it, adults researching and implementing evidence-based strategies together, and then learning from one another in order to build that collective efficacy, so the third way that we prioritize teaching and learning is to support districts in creating structures that allow adult learning to take place on a regular basis. And then from there, we can focus on really building those trusting relationships with one another so that they can display that vulnerability needed in order to really start to learn and grow together. We prioritize teaching and learning by helping districts create focus plans by building the capacity of leaders to be instructional coaches, and then by creating systems to
3: support adult learning.
0: Thanks. That's a great look at the plan in detail. Mona, what about you?
3: So the work that we do to support teaching and learning in our region is that it aligns to our vision as SST, which is to be a trusted partner of our local education agencies. And we wanna support the systems that they have in place of change to improve learning outcomes for all students. Along with that, our mission then is to coach, support, and collaborate with our educational entities that are in our region. And what that looks like for teaching and learning is that We coach them up through their systems to make sure that they have access to resources and materials that gives them the best evidence-based strategies and supports to help them with their plans. We help them engage in root cause analysis to kind of think about practices. Why are we doing what we're doing? Is this the optimal way to do what we're doing? We help them to look at their work through a systems lens. How do we make sure that we are integrating all of the work that we're doing for our kids instead of work being separate? Especially when we're talking about students with disabilities, students who are English learners, and students with other diverse and complex needs. A lot of times, students, when we're trying to support them, they're separated into silos. So we want to work with school systems to integrate the supports, especially at that teaching and learning level. So how can we support that system to be meaningful for all students and help districts as they are exploring new ways of thinking, new ways of envisioning instruction, helping them to think about Selection ideas when they're selecting curriculum and materials to provide for students across systems of support through multi tier systems of support. For example, what's that tier one core instructional practice? What strategies can we give them around that? How can we support them with the selection and deselection of curriculum? How do we coach them with looking at what's really good evidence based strategies? And then when we're talking about targeted interventions, helping them to understand how to establish decision rules, what resources and materials that we can give them as they're building their systems and their practices to increase outcomes for all students
2: and their families.
0: Reva, what kinds of things are going on in your district to prioritize teaching and learning?
2: One thing that I have started to do as well is that we're participating in a letters program. And so that's something that our curriculum director has done. Because we didn't have enough time in our regular schedule for PD, to get all of this work done in letters involves a lot of training that is virtual, so we decided to allow our teachers pre-K-5 to do this at home, pretty much on their own time, and we did give them what our district has as committee pay for doing it. They have to pass an assessment, that's how we hold them accountable, but what we did that's a little different is we also offered it to our paraprofessionals, we offered it to our bus drivers, we offered it to our high school people, we offered it to everyone because we see ourselves as a learning community. And we thought a lot of the people who work in our district also send their children and grandchildren here. So if they could pick up some of the skills, and letters is about learning how to read, literacy, phonics, that would be extremely helpful for us as a district. They'll do it the same way they'll do this work after school, they'll get paid for it if they pass the assessment. And we're pretty sure if they were ever needed to be a mentor or to provide support to a student, it would be beneficial. We also have developed time in our schedule to give extended time in reading and math. So we have 90 minutes of reading and literacy. We have 90 minutes for math in the elementary schedules. My middle school is on a block schedule to lot more time in those areas. We are implementing a coaching model for teachers. It's ongoing. It provides site-specific support to provide continuous high quality support to our staff members. And we're really emphasizing that for our beginning teachers because they they really need that help in getting our students who quite a few of them do come to school behind and so we really need to focus on this we also have decided to work with our teachers and our administrators to agree upon a definition of differentiation and then we're working on having classroom look fors so that they know when we come in what we expect to see based on this definition that we've all agreed on that is in the works right now we actually have a couple of PD days to do this work. We're also developing an instructional framework with input of district and building leadership team, and that aligns with OTES 2.0. We've already decided to do OTES 2.0. We are designing and implementing a qualitative professional learning tool or survey for all staff so we can individualize their needs as well. So we're not only looking at equity for our kids, we're also trying to individualize and be equitable for our teachers so they don't sit through things that they already know. We're adopting a system of instructional coaching and feedback complete with specific tools and strategies that'll be used by administrators. And we also have coaches now. And so those coaches will also know how to use these materials. We are working now to create a district implementation team so we can use implementation science to create implementation infrastructure so that we can scale up, sustain our evidence-based practices. And we're using the MTSS framework. A lot of people talk about what are you doing with your ESSA money. We're also using three million dollars of that for new high quality instructional materials. And that's used for our district. We've had quite a bit of time where we weren't able to upgrade our instruction. And so we're really working with our state support team. We're doing our Ohio five step process. We're doing a great job, I think, of that. It's really changed the look of our district leadership team, our DLT, because it pushes us to look at the data as a district, not just on the building level as well. So we're really excited about those things.
0: Great. Now let's see how all this fits together. Reva, I wonder if you could keep going there and tell us about the ways your work to promote teaching and learning helps advance your equity goals in your district.
2: Okay, so we're doing all of these initiatives that I've mentioned and activities and I want to take a moment to say how we feel like that's going to help us reach our goal of 100% success for all of our students. And we've already said to get that, we have to have our equitable practices. We have to be equitable with our students. So I believe these initiatives are going to help our teachers understand that every student is capable, that every student does not get the same thing, but they get what they need. So that's where the equity piece comes in teachers have to understand how to differentiate. They have to understand that if they have a classroom of 30 students, they could have three different groups going on because they're addressing the needs of these individual students. You're not gonna have 100% student success if you don't have equity, but to get that, we have to prepare our teachers to provide it for our students. So this seems like a lot of training for the teachers. It may feel like a lot for administrators to take on, but we all have to be involved in understanding that there is no one thing fits all. It's really looking at how each individual child will succeed. Say fixing cars is what I wanted to actually met uh sophomore. And he told me he spends all of his money now because he's fixing cars. He knows how to do engines and all of that. And I'm really very proud of him. I said, but what are you going to do when we go to cars that run on batteries? He says, oh, well, I'm going to learn how to do that as well. So we're going to allow him to do that. We're going to set up opportunities for our students to graduate with the ability to do things other than just go to school. A lot of them will be graduating and going into a profession. And that's another piece of how teaching and learning has to equate with what they want to do.
0: That's a lovely example. Mona, what are some of the ways that work on teaching and learning at an SST level helps promote equity within the regions you support?
3: So when you think about that piece of the mission and how it's synergized, we get the opportunity and we get the pleasure of being an insider with districts. We're sitting at team meetings, we're sitting sometimes in TBTs, we're sitting in building leadership meetings and district-level meetings. As they're planning, we not only give them resources, but we like to think about where are they in their implementation. So we use implementation science to help them to be sustainable with their plans so that we're not doing those one off We're helping them to kind of identify their own blind spots, per se. We want to coach them up to start analyzing their systems in ways that We're looking at who has access and who doesn't. And if we've done things a certain way in our district or our school, why have we done it a certain way? What are the benefits to doing things a little differently? We also try to provide professional development to support them in that systems level work with teaching. For example, on the PBIS side in our region. Our PBS team has recently started incorporating some culturally responsive practices in their tier one and tier two practices for districts as they're doing their training. They recently finished a PBS with an equity lens. So as we're building that climate and culture side of our school systems, we want to help schools to be mindful of when you're developing this, thinking about all of your stakeholders, all of your students and their diverse backgrounds. Our regional literacy network team, we incorporate equity in all of our trainings, reminding them that literacy is equity. Kids being able to read is truly the foundation of equity and give them access to the outside world as a whole. And so how do we ensure that all students are getting a quality education, instructional practices around literacy so that they can be able to leverage that? And then also we're coaching up around multi-tier systems of support. I would like to give our director credit we've been on this work with equity for two years. And we also partner with our ESC, Hamilton County, one of our ESCs in our region around some equity training. So we've been doing equity training just as an SST to come up with our own common understanding and experiences around equity. What does that look like from a coaching perspective when we're coaching up for equity with districts, especially in the climate and culture of how equity sometimes has been politicized. And so we're definitely trying to make sure we have that common understanding understanding and making sure we're making it about kids and instruction and practices. And we also are doing a study around multi-tier systems of support in our SST so that we're having that common understanding and how are we integrating um, equity in those coaching systems and structures as we're supporting schools and helping them to develop those systems more robustly.
0: And Julie, what about in your SST?
1: Equity really starts with each individual person or educator. So, Our organization recognized the importance of this step and we really spent a lot of time front-loading and providing professional development around the history of marginalization and how this practice really led to a deficit-based system in education. We also spent time with educators recognizing institutional as well as individual bias and how that affects our classrooms And then we did a lot of identity work with our adults, recognizing and honoring the different identities we all bring to the table and how they influence us as individuals and then collectively as teams. So we encourage from there our districts to engage in equity audits to kind of unveil those inequities within our school systems, but also within their own system And then we talk them through how to establish non-negotiables. And I set all that up because having these courageous conversations first and really looking internally, examining ourselves, examining our own systems, is critical to shift the attitudes and the beliefs of adults around inclusive practices. So without the foundational knowledge and without those courageous conversations around equity, Beliefs do not change and therefore equity will not advance in our classrooms. So there's a whole lot that we have to unlearn and stop doing before we can advance equity in teaching and learning. We started in our organization with the adults and really shifting their mindsets. Once that foundation's laid and the belief systems have shifted, the equity work now can go into that classroom level. So I guess to answer this question, having high expectations for all learners ensuring all learners have access to high quality instruction. And that's by removing any barriers to student learning will advance equity in all of our classrooms.
0: Thank you. In our next podcast episode, we'll be looking at the way another part of Ohio's leadership model, sustaining an open and collaborative culture, helps improve education and equity. Mona, can you give us a preview
3: about why that's so important? I think one of the things that our SST have been enjoying unpacking is the power of voice. There is a quote that says, nothing about us without us. And so one of the things that we are embracing is when we're coaching and supporting districts, is just as we want to hear their voice to us as we're coaching them around improvement initiatives, we encourage them to hear their voice from their stakeholders, especially our students. Our student voice is very important. And that is a voice that isn't always leveraged in the educational system. So as we're unpacking, and understanding equity from more global perspectives ourselves, we're really centering in on that family engagement component, which often is kind of minimized, not intentionally, but how do we get authentic voice in our systems from all of our stakeholders? And that definitely includes our students and our families. And so we know that there's some districts in our regions that are really doing some powerful things around student voice, getting them to be participatory in the school structures and systems, and not just at a survey level, but really. Informing some practices for teaching, for learning across that whole system. That's one of the things that I think we've really tried to unpack a little bit more, get some increased learning for ourselves, but also how do we then transfer that learning to districts in more meaningful ways to partner with their families and those stakeholders who benefit from the instruction that we're going to provide and who also have a voice about what they want to receive.
0: That's extremely helpful. Thank you. This is all the time we have for our episode today, so thank you to Julie, Reva, and Mona for joining us and helping us shed light on these important topics. Tune in next time when we'll be discussing the role of sustaining an open and collaborative culture for improving equity in Ohio's education system.
3: I'm Stanley Dudek. I provide support and technical assistance for OLAC podcasts through the University of Cincinnati's Systems Development and Improvement Center. Credit for our podcast music goes to Expendable Friend, whose musical composition is licensed under an attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 international license.